the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend producing, Dave King engineering in Portland, Pedro Bartez producing and engineering in Seattle. Today, looking forward to sharing a conversation with Brent Dusing. He is the founder and CEO of True Play. If you haven't heard about it and you're a parent, a grandparent, and not a Sunday school teacher, you need to listen up. He'll be joining us in the second hour of today's program. True Play is a Christian entertainment company creating transformative digitized content for children. And I have to tell you, it's really well done. He'll join us um, in the second hour of today's program. Well, today, of course, is Election Day and the polls in some states have closed. U.S. voters headed to the polls today for off-year state and local elections and what's expected to serve as a bellwether for national trends at the ballot box in 2024. Now, some of the key matchups are also seen as a referendum on GOP presidential contender Donald Trump. He's 77. He now leads President Biden, who's 80, in five of the 2024 races, six battleground states. Well, the most competitive races include gubernatorial contests in Kentucky and Mississippi, along with state legislature elections in Virginia that will determine whether Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin can win a majority there. The outcome of ballot initiatives in Ohio, a Pennsylvania Supreme Court race, special congressional elections and other state contests will also help Democrats decide whether they have a winning message for next year's general election with Biden at the top of their ticket. The results will come as Biden is battling mounting pressure to step aside over everything from his dismal poll numbers to concerns about his age. So we'll have some updates on those elections uh, that that uh, were held today, tomorrow. In other news, um, Salem Media Group announced uh, that the Republican National Committee has selected NBC News, Salem Radio Network, and the Republican Jewish Coalition and Rumble as partners for the third Republican presidential primary debate, which will take place at the Adrian Arsht uh, Center for the Performing Arts in Miami-Dade County on November 8th. That would be, of course, tomorrow. As with the first and second debates, Rumble will be the exclusive RNC live stream provider and the RNC's exclusive online home for the third debate. And a single Democrat lawmaker joined most House Republicans to advance a censure resolution, a largely symbolic reprimand, with a vote to kill the measure falling short 2013 to 208. Democrats failed to shield Rashida Tlaib from the House censure vote over her anti-Israel statements. Uh, they failed to shield the progressive from the looming censure, teeing up a vote by, on whether to punish her for inflammatory anti-Israel, anti-Semitic comments. Six Republican lawmakers voted to table the resolution, which would have effectively killed it. Representatives Thomas Massey, Ken Buck, John Duarte, uh, Mike Garcia, Ryan Zenk, and Tom McClintock from California, for the most part, with a Kentucky uh, representative and a Colorado representative thrown in. 
It was not immediately clear which Democrat lawmaker voted with Republicans to move the censure forward. The actual vote on censuring Tlaib is expected to now occur on Wednesday. And we'll let you know what happens in that that vote. Also, Israel today uh, said that uh, its ground forces were battling Hamas fighters deep inside Gaza's largest city, signaling a major new stage in the month-old conflict and its leaders foresee controlling the enclave security after the war. Well, the push into Gaza City guarantees that the already staggering death toll will rise further. All comments from the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu about controlling Gaza's security for an indefinite period pointed to the uncertain endgame of a war that Israel says will be long and difficult. Israeli ground troops have battled Palestinian militants inside Gaza for over a week, cutting the territory in half and encircling Gaza City. The Army's chief spokesman, Rear Admiral David Hagari, he said that Israeli ground forces are located right now in a ground operation in the depths of Gaza City and putting great pressure on Hamas. Hamas spokespersons speaking on Tuesday from Beirut denied that Israeli forces were making any significant military gains or that they had advanced deep into Gaza City. Once again, proving that they have no idea what's going on or or simply unwilling to acknowledge what's actually happening. Well, nearly 20,000 people attended the Noi Festival Roma. It's the largest evangelical Christian outreach in Italy's history. Its organizer said in a press release, the two-day event was held on the 5th and the 6th at Rome's Palazzo della Sport and Billy Graham's Evangelistic Association on November 7th in the press release shared that the festival's name translates We or Us in Italian. This was the second Noi Festival, though the first was um, first in Rome. Last year, Noi Festival was held in Milan, and some 13,000 people attended, according to Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. They also noted that the crowd in Rome filled the 18,000-seat capacity arena, requiring an outdoor screening for an overflow area. This is the first time that over 800 evangelical churches in Italy came together for a singular event, the press release pointed out. The free event featured a message from Franklin Graham, president and CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, as well as music from Michael W. Smith and Carrie Job. The uh, Rome is filled with centuries of history, culture and religion, but I'm not coming to talk about these things Uh, Graham said prior to the festival, I'm coming to Rome to share how we can all have a real and personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. In his message to the thousands assembled, he reminded them that even though they may not feel important, they are in the eyes of God. Maybe you feel little in the eyes of God, that you're not important to him, that your life is uh, is insignificant, but it isn't. Your life is important to God. He made you, he created you, and he loves you. How do you know this? Because the Bible, the Word of God, tells us that God loves us. This was his preaching on Sunday. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Well, on Friday, November 3rd, prior to the kickoff of Noi Festival, Graham was honored by the Italian Senate for his work with Samaritan's Purse, a charitable organization that he leads. Samaritan's Purse is an international Christian disaster relief group that regularly deploys volunteers throughout the United States and the world to provide physical and spiritual assistance to those who have experienced a crisis or disaster. Samaritan's Purse recently opened a new airlift response center, which houses some of its largest cargo aircraft, and they have several of them. The medical response is what led the churches in Italy to invite Franklin Graham to return and to preach. 
We don't have numbers on uh, Decisions for Christ, but it was a successful and very large event. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, a conversation with Brent Dusing. He's the founder and CEO of TruePlay, a Christian entertainment company creating transformative digitized content for children. That is uh, biblically sound. We'll talk with Brent coming up in the second hour of today's program. Well, students at a Virginia high school in Loudoun County Public Schools walked out in protest of the district's gender policy that allows non-binary, gender-fluid, and transgender students to use whichever school bathrooms and locker rooms they want based on their chosen gender. Around 50 to 100 students at Woodgrove High School in uh, Purcellville, Virginia, participated in the walkout to protest policy 8040, which the Loudoun County School Board implemented in 2021. The students said they wanted LCPS to revert to a policy that provided female and male only spaces, including bathrooms, locker rooms and showers. In the locker rooms in the morning, it's an invasion of privacy, as I said, because when men and natural-born males are in our locker rooms, they are showering in the morning. Natural-born females can walk in there as they please, one male high school student said, speaking to local media. And that is not okay, and it goes against what we believe in, end quote. Well, a female student told the local news outlet she stopped using the bathroom at school because the policy, calling it a massive safety risk, that the school board doesn't do anything about. Well, Secretary Blinken made an unannounced trip to the West Bank and Iraq. The secretary made the uh, trips to both uh, countries in an effort to negotiate with Arab leaders and come to an agreement on a humanitarian pause in Israel's war on Hamas in Gaza. Israel has yet to agree to such a pause, continuing with a ground invasion, suggesting that unless we have the hostages back, we're not stopping anything nor pausing. The Biden administration's banning of methyl, a methan, menthol, get the word right, menthol cigarettes will open up the door to several problems, including providing a massive space for Mexican cartels to move in and sell them on the U.S. black market. That's what former law enforcement officials say. The Food and Drug Administration, they proposed rules prohibiting menthol cigarettes and flavored cigarettes in April of 22. At the time, Health and Human Service Secretary Xavier Becerra said that the action would protect children and benefit adult smokers. The proposed rules would help prevent children from becoming the next generation of smokers and help adult smokers quit, he said. Additionally, the proposed rules represent an important step to advance health equity by significantly reducing tobacco-related health disparities, end quote. Well, in late October, the FDA's director of the Center for Tobacco Products, Brian King, said that the proposed rules are in the final steps of review for regulatory documents after making their way to the White House Office of Management and Budget. Now, ex-law enforcement officials who can speak more freely on issues than those currently serving sounded the alarm over what they say are several significant problems that can arise, including creating a vacuum for cartels. One common theme repeated by those interviewed is that the Biden administration failed to bring law enforcement to the table for their advice during the process. This is essentially a prohibition, and we know what happens when you remove a current market. A former city of Miami chief of police told Fox News Digital that means organized crime and or cartels move in. Well, Colina called it an unfunded mandate that will create a vacuum that is going to be ripe for the Chinese or the Mexicans or the cartels to move in and take advantage of what's going to be a multi-billion dollar industry. 
Some Democrats, including members of the White House, reportedly told NBC News that they are beginning to sour on the term Bidenomics. The president and his administration coined the term Bidenomics to promote the idea that their policies were improving the economy. However, some Democrats have suggested that the branding may be doing more harm than good. Whoever came up with the slogan Bidenomics should be fired, one anonymous Democratic strategist told NBC. It's probably the worst messaging you could ever imagine. Well, the messaging only reflects what's actually happening. I'm not sure you can blame the messaging or, you know, what it represents. Two people familiar with White House discussions reported that the president was initially reluctant to reclaim it to promote a growing economy, worrying it could backfire. And it apparently has. Representative James Clyburn also admitted, I don't like it either. The people that he, Biden, stands for don't deal with economics, he said, speaking again to NBC. They deal with day to day issues. They have to educate their children and feed their families and develop their communities. And that doesn't sound like Bidenomics. According to NBC, a focus group from the research firm uh, Engage Us had a swing vote uh, uh, refer to Bidenomics as a jumbled mess that was really hard to explain. A recent Fox News survey found that 62 percent of Americans disapproved of Biden's handling of the economy with only 37 percent approval. However, top administration officials like the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre and Vice President Kamala Harris, they continue to promote Bidenomics, insisting that it's working for ordinary Americans. Only ordinary Americans don't know. During an economic address in Chicago back in June, the president attempted to redefine Bidenomics as another word for the American dream. Other Democrats showed concern that Bidenomics is simply not a media-friendly term. Bidenomics is just not sexy for the media to cover or simply simple enough for voters to digest. So we're apparently too stupid to quite catch on, especially if they don't see it or feel it. That's former Jill Biden press secretary uh, Michael LaRosa. So once again, it's your fault. You're too stupid to catch on. There are reportedly more than 30 young children still being held hostage by the Hamas terror groups as the children's parents, families and others beg day and night for their young ones safe release. As a desperate father of young hostages uh, told uh, uh, one media outlet last week in a phone interview about his missing children. I don't know how they're feeling, if they're cold, if they're eating. Overall, some 240 people or more are still being held captive in Gaza after the October 7th terror attack in Israel. Alive or dead? We don't know. House Judiciary Committee investigators are questioning special counsel David Weiss on Tuesday morning amid whistleblower allegations that politics influenced or hampered prosecutorial decisions in his year-long investigation into Hunter Biden. Weiss, who has been leading the investigation into the president's son since 2018, back when he served as U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware, arrived to Capitol Hill on Tuesday morning. He will voluntarily and did testify behind closed doors at the House Judiciary Committee this morning. His interview comes after a number of current and former Justice Department officials related to the Hunter Biden probe have testified voluntarily behind closed doors at the committee led by Chairman Jim Jordan on the matter. Well, devastating new polls uh, that uh, grabbed outsized attention this weekend appeared to be fueling fear among some Democrats over President Biden's ability to win re-election next year. 
That has led some top political pundits to ring the alarm bell as they urge the 80-year-old president to drop out of the 2024 race and pass the, the baton to a new generation. The poll grabbing the most headlines, a survey from Siena College and the New York Times, indicated former President Trump edging Biden in hypothetical matchups in five of the six crucial battleground states that Biden narrowly carried in 2020 on his way to capturing the White House. This will send tremors of doubt through the party, not bedwetting, but legitimate concern. One veteran Democratic strategist, David Axelrod, wrote on X as he pointed to the poll. Axelrod, the top political advisor to then President Obama, who in recent years has made headlines with high profile critiques of Biden, wrote only Joe Biden can make this decision. If he continues to run, he will be the nominee of the Democratic Party. What that uh, what he needs to decide is whether that is wise, whether it's in his best interest or the country's. The survey suggests Biden losing support among black and Hispanic voters, as well as younger voters who have long been key parts of the Democratic Party's base of support. Additionally, while the survey indicates Biden losing to Trump, it also suggests that an unnamed generic Democratic nominee tops Trump by eight points in the 2024 presidential election. The Siena College New York Times survey did not uh, live in a vacuum. A CBS News poll also released over the weekend pointed to Trump edging Biden in a likely 2024 showdown. Will Biden run or won't he? A lot of speculation. Glamour magazine ignited controversy after naming transgender model Gina Rissero one of the women of the year last week, naming the model among a group of those meant to honor their favorite feminist heroes and game changers in their field. Critics on the platform were quick to lambaste the decision with one branding it as regressive and many characterizing it as a way of diminishing womanhood to an outward appearance. How regressive excluding women from a women's award in favor of a man, almost like the women's liberation movement never happened. One critic wrote on X another blast of the outlet writing glamour magazine reduces womanhood to wearing a dress and makeup shallow, vapid liars That man will never be a woman. What's the definition of a woman? Another wrote, anyone who says they're a woman. Uh, In uh, which case, what's the point? A third wrote, in part. Lady Up America founder and commentator Diane Canada also lashed out at the decision in a comment. Women's magazines that glorify men as women are doing their part to normalize this lunacy alongside major corporations like Bud Light and Target, she said. We see how it worked out for them. I'm sure the backlash is coming, but women are so polite it will be a long time before they actually realize that they should be offended. Others criticize the implication that a biological man can better fill a role originally reserved for biological women and argue that disrespecting women to promote the transgender community causes resentment and does not uh, does the movement no good. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Uh, Brent Dusing will be my guest in the five o'clock hour. CEO of True Play, a Christian entertainment company. Got some great stuff going on. We'll tell you all about it when he joins me in the second hour of today's program. Well, the New York bishop recently took action against a parish that allowed the filming of a controversial music video within a century old Brooklyn church. In a statement released uh, last week, the Brooklyn Bishop Robert Brennan, he condemned pop singer Sabrina Carpenter's latest music video, Feather, 
which was filmed at the Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Church. The video features Carpenter in a scantily clad black dress as several men kill each other over her. It also shows her attending their funerals at the church with candy-colored coffins, one including the inscription, R.I.P. and then words I cannot say and would not say if I could. Brennan was appalled at the video and additionally criticized the local parish for failing to prevent its um, filming based on its policies. Well, the parish did not follow diocesan policy regarding the filming on church property, which includes a review of the scenes and script, the statement read. And while the parish initially claimed that the video production company failed to accurately represent the video content, an investigation into the matter concluded that documents given to the parish with uh, failing to uh, while failing to depict the entirety of the scenes clearly portray inappropriate behavior unsuitable for a church sanctuary. Well, I guess they didn't think that one through carefully enough. Well, pro-Palestine activists are set to march through the streets of London at the same time the Festival of Remembrance is being held at the Royal Albert Hall next week. Protesters have descended on the capital in support of Palestine over the past three Saturdays, and this is set to continue on November 11th, which is Remembrance Day in the UK. The main uh, parade at the... um, Cenotaph, I think is the correct pronunciation, is a service at Westminster Abbey, but the Festival of Remembrance will see two performances at the Royal Albert Hall on Saturday. UK Hamas supporters are now planning a million-man march on Remembrance Day. They plan to defame the war dead, desecrate the uh, 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 Cenotaph itself. This is the tipping point. If such a march goes ahead, then the people of Britain must come and stop these barbarians, one observer says. So there may be clashes in the UK on the 11th, which of course is Veterans Day here. Well, as expected, squad members voted against a resolution to condemn anti-Semitism on college campuses. More than 20 Democrats and one Republican voted against a Thursday House resolution to condemn anti-Semitism on college campuses. House Resolution 798 passed with a final tally of 396 to 23, comprised of a bipartisan 213 Republican votes and 183 Democrat votes. Of the 23 that voted against the resolution, 22 were Democrats. The only Republican to vote against the bill was Representative Thomas Massey. The House approved a nearly $14.5 billion military aid package for Israel, a muscular U.S. response to the war with Hamas, but also a partisan approach by new Speaker Mike Johnson that poses a direct challenge to Democrats and President Joe Biden. In a departure from norms, Johnson's package required that the emergency aid be offset with cuts in government spending elsewhere, namely the IRS. The House approved the bill, $14.3 billion in emergency aid. Twelve Democrats voted yes. Two Republicans voted no. Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee further exposed a scheme by Democrats to remake the Supreme Court during a hearing on Capitol Hill. Republicans highlighted relentless attacks on the conservative justices by Democratic senators and leftist activists, showing new ethics reform is really an underhanded way for liberals to control decision-making. Tom Cotton says whether it's ethics reforms or subpoenas, Democrats are trying to undermine and delegitimize the Supreme Court just because they don't like its rulings. As the harsh winter months approach in Ukraine, Americans' views on the war there have shifted, with a plurality now saying the U.S. is doing too much to help Ukraine. 
41% of Americans overall say the U.S. is doing too much, which has risen from 24% in August of last year. The findings come as newly established Speaker Mike Johnson plans to bring a vote this week on aid to Israel, at which he did, decoupling it from Ukraine aid and border funds. If Putin wins, Iran will undoubtedly get stronger. Albert Moeller weighs in, saying the new axis of evil includes Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. All four nations pose a direct threat to the West. Each is working to subvert the world order. All four are deeply rooted in history and driven by an aggressive ideology. Well, on Thursday, Senator Roger Marshall introduced legislation which aims to provide justice to those and their families who have been the victims of crimes committed by illegal immigrants. Known as the Justice for Angel Families Act, it looks at um, it looks to restore the Trump era Victims of Immigration Crime Engagement Office or voice, which uh, specifically tracked crimes committed by illegal immigrants. It was dismantled by the Biden administration, however. The legislation also extends support from the federal government through the Crime Victims Fund to American families if a family member is murdered by an illegal immigrant. Marshall said in a statement, as we continue to fight for this administration to secure our nation's borders, there has been irreversible damage and pain that angel families have to live with for the rest of their lives. These families are the true victims of this administration's failures, and as I fight for justice and restoring law and order, they must get the help and support they need, end quote. Well, tens of thousands of pro-Palestinian protesters massed in Washington, D.C. on Saturday afternoon before descending upon the White House to chant Aloha Akbar and, well, expletive Joe Biden as they accused the president of genocide and demanded a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. The crowd dotted with Palestinian flags and signs cried at the start of the event, which drew attendees from across the country. The chant, which is growing increasingly popular in the wake of Hamas's deadly incursion into the southern part of Israel last month and Israel's subsequent retaliatory attacks, is widely considered anti-Semitic because it implies the elimination of the state of Israel and its people altogether. In, um, in other news, let's see. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, uh, he um, rushed to the Middle East to assure leaders the U.S. will contain the war in Gaza and help civilians. Of course, he has to convince the people here of that fact first. The U.S. is rushing to support Middle East leaders facing domestic turmoil over the Israeli-Hamas conflict, with the secretary making two surprise visits on Sunday to the West Bank and Iraq as the administration comes under pressure to secure a... uh, a ceasefire, a pause in the fighting, and ease regional tensions. The unannounced stops first to the West Bank city of of Ramallah and then to Iraq's capital, Baghdad, followed a summit of Arab leaders on Saturday in Jordan where Blinken reassured Middle East allies that the U.S. would work to keep the conflict from spreading and help Palestinian civilians caught in the unfolding humanitarian crisis. The U.S. Secretary's whirlwind regional tour comes at a... uh, a complex and combustible moment for the Middle East. The administration is attempting to navigate between its support for Israel's right to defend itself and Arab allies were calling to halt fighting. The trip marked early efforts to work out how to restore calm and stability in Gaza after the war while also addressing the dangers of a regional war that could put more American lives at risk. It is a um, challenging balancing act. U.S. voters on Tuesday cast their ballots to choose governors in Kentucky and Mississippi, uh, decide legislative controls in Virginia and New Jersey. Perhaps the biggest surprise this year is the race for governor of Kentucky, where incumbent pro-abortion Governor Andy Beshear 
was far ahead of pro-life Attorney General Daniel Cameron until the latest poll campaign um, came out. Last month, an Emerson College poll had Brashear up by a whopping 16 points, but a poll last week had them tied at 47 percent each. Again, that will be uh, those numbers will be made available in the morning. On Tuesday, voters across the country will head to the uh, polls for Election Day. That was today. And while the elections and the issues on the ballots cover a lot of ground, there's one big theme running through the elections, and that's abortion. In a state such as Ohio, abortion is explicitly on the ballot. Ohio voters will determine abortion access on a ballot measure called Issue 1. If it passes, the measure would guarantee abortion access up to the point of fetal viability. Uh, You might recall there were a number of uh, pastors and churches that uh, came out very vocal against this legislation. We'll let you know tomorrow the outcome of that and other contests. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. Yeah, it is The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our next hour, Brent Dusing. He is the uh, the, um, founder and CEO of TruePlay, a Christian entertainment company creating transformative, digitized content for children with a biblical worldview. I'm really quite impressed. He'll be joining us in the next hour. Well, the Republican National Committee on Monday confirmed that five candidates had qualified to appear on the debate stage on Wednesday evening in Miami, Florida. Taking the stage will be Florida GOP Governor Ron DeSantis, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, tech mogul Vivek Ramaswamy, Um, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. We are looking forward to our third debate in Miami, a welcome opportunity for our candidates to showcase our winning conservative agenda to the American people. RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel said, according to NBC News, which is hosting the debate. We are especially honored to be the first political party to partner with a Jewish organization for a debate in our partnership with the Republican Jewish Coalition and our candidates will reaffirm the Republican Party's unwavering support of Israel and the Jewish community on the stage Wednesday night. Salem Radio Network has also partnered with the RNC for that debate. Meanwhile, an elderly Jewish man died after a confrontation with a pro-Palestinian protester at a California rally. It's not altogether clear what happened But that investigation is ongoing. GOP attorneys general, they sued the FDA over approval of risky, untested mail order abortion pills. That um, controversy continues. And conditions in the Gaza Strip have long been dire, with the territory referred to by some as the world's largest open air prison. Even before the outbreak of the war in the wake of Hamas's October 7th terror attack on Israel, half of Palestinians Living in Gaza depended on food supplied by the United Nations. Those conditions have deteriorated over the last month as Israel continues its bombardment of the 140 square mile strip in its uh, mission to destroy the Hamas terror group. But as the territory's 2.3 million people suffer, several hundred million millionaires are registered in the coastal strip. And while the majority of citizens in the densely populated territory, which is a quarter of the size of Greater London, languish in poverty, a select few live in marble-floored mansions and luxury hotels. Three of Hamas's most senior leaders, um, whose names I will not attempt to mispronounce, have net worths of around $3 billion each. The embassy also claims that Hamas's annual turnover is $1 billion and suggests the group is second only to ISIS as the world's richest terror group. 
Their exorbitant lifestyle is flaunted on social media, showcasing their expensive cars and nights in luxury hotels. They misappropriate the assistance funds intended for humanitarian aid and reconstruction of the devastated nation. And while some of the money goes toward buying weapons and building underground tunnels, a huge chunk is simply pocketed. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut are set to introduce legislation threatening to strike Iran if the country expands the conflict in the Middle East. The two senators are backing the non-binding resolution as the Iranian-backed militia group Hezbollah has raised tensions on the Israeli border with, uh, with Lebanon and attacked U.S. forces in Syria and Iraq. The Pentagon recently sent 900 additional troops to the Middle East to combat the Iran-backed militia attacks on U.S. forces. And a woman in Indiana drove her car into a building she described as a Jewish school. This is a terrorist attack on U.S. soil. The Indiana woman, whom cops uh, described as a terrorist, has been arrested after she allegedly plowed her car into what she thought was a Jewish school. The 34-year-old allegedly backed her vehicle into a building associated with black Hebrew Israelites in Indianapolis last Friday, while several adults and children were inside. The driver uh, copped to targeting the building, which houses the Israelite School of Universal and Practical Knowledge, because she was allegedly offended by the Hebrew Israelite symbol out front. Yes, I did it on purpose, she said, alleging uh, that... Uh, In the wake of her arrest, she repeatedly described the building as the Israel School, adding that the driver also made a reference to her people back in Palestine. Well, it turns out that the uh, building was, in fact, an anti-Semitic group that is opposed to the nation of Israel, and she had it backward. Well, the manifesto of the Nashville trans shooter has been released. This is the direct result of all the violent rhetoric uh, that's going around. If this is legit... It points um, again to strange decision to keep the manifesto under wraps at all. If the perpetrator survived, it might make some sense to keep it sealed under trial or rather until trial. But Hale died the same day she massacred kids and adults at Covenant School. There was no jury pool to taint with the public release of the manifesto. Assuming these three pages are the worst of the diary, they won't implicate anyone else, nor do they promote any particular cause. Had they released it immediately, the information would have uh, doused the curiosity over the uh, perpetrator's mental musings quickly, and no one would be speaking her name at this point. Plus, the decision to hide this particular manifesto looked political in and of itself, um, granting some absurd privacy on the basis of the perpetrator's identity, which also seems to have been her motive for conducting the massacre. Judge Arthur N. Gorin became testy to the point of shouting at Trump's defense attorney to sit down after they began responding to Ngoran's complaint that Trump was giving speeches, speaking too long instead of answering questions appropriately, Ngoran, the judge, then lectured Trump and his attorney for editorializing after Trump claimed he was too busy during a period of 221 to pay close attention to financial documents because Democrats, all Trump haters, were targeting him then. Trump also drew the judge's ire when he referred to the trial as crazy, in Gorin, Judge in Gorin, asked Trump's attorney to tell their client to answer the questions with yes or no. But his attorney is saying, uh, Miss Chris Kies, can you control your client? This is not a political rally. Then Gorin said Trump's attorney argued the question. Trump was being asked 
uh, were not uh, six at uh, the rather the questions Trump was being asked were not succinct and therefore did not result in succinct answers. Uh, they also said the questions warranted narratives as response and that and Gorin should want to hear what Trump of all witnesses had to say. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. And Gorin, the judge yelled, of course, he is the judge in the case. There is no jury. Sit down, Miss uh, Mr. Kais. Sit down, Miss Haba. Uh, Trump then uh, said, unprompted, into his microphone, this is a very unfair trial, very, very, and I hope the public is watching. But, of course, they can't watch. Well, his lawyer uh, went uh, on a scorched earth um, policy on the Attorney General Letitia James and the judge after the trial, saying he tried to shorten my client's testimony, told her to sit down, and was unhinged. Uh, They've got nothing but their politics She's uh, got nothing but her Soros backing, which we just learned about. She went on to say. Iowa's Governor Reynolds has endorsed Ron DeSantis. As endorsements go, it's a big one. The endorsement of a popular sitting governor whose state happens to be one of the first to choose its presidential candidate. But Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds doesn't appear to be a kingmaker, nor does any other politician or pundit on the Republican side. In this election cycle, the kingmaker seems to be the everyday Joe who assessed the GOP primary field and decided overwhelmingly to stick with Donald Trump. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who today will be the recipient of the Reynolds endorsement, is no doubt happy for it, but not at all surprised. President Biden is splurging on a border wall. Remember back when Democrats said a border wall was racist? Well, back when candidate Joe Biden smugly vowed there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration. Those were those days, as uh, Nate Jackson noted last month, during the Trump years, roughly 450 miles of border wall were erected. Though far from perfect, the problem of the illegal immigration was far closer to being manageable than it had been and is now. Since Trump left office, the southern border has been a choreographed catastrophe, a cynical effort by uh, some to make America more brown. And so their thinking goes, make her more Democrat. But that doesn't seem to be working. And public opinion being what it is and Joe Biden's reelection prospect being what they are, are. The open borders chief executive is now trying to burnish his phony border security credentials. As the New York Post reports, uh, Biden now says he will spend nine hundred and fifty million dollars on various uh, repair projects along the existing barrier in Texas, Arizona and California. We'd say better late than never, but that would lend legitimacy to this political ploy. We've got news coming up at the top of the hour. We'll be back with a conversation with Britt Dusing. Brent is the founder and CEO of True Play. Stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, my guest, Brent Dusing, is the CEO and founder of True Play. It's a gaming platform created to bring high quality fun and biblically sound entertainment. No, that's not an oxymoron. Biblically sound entertainment. He pioneered game creation with Christian content through Lightside Games, a Christian gaming studio reaching more than 7 million game players worldwide and resulting in 25,000 decisions for Christ. As the co-founder and CEO of Cellfire, uh, he created the nation's leading mobile coupon company as well. It's used today at uh, grocers like Safeway and Kroger. He started his career as a venture capitalist at Menlo Ventures, where he sourced multiple uh, nine-figure exits and generated top quartile returns. Well, there's a lot more that can be said, but I find this 
uh, fascinating and thought you might as well. I want to welcome my guest, Brent Dusing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Georgianne. Good to be with you. What an interesting background you have. Uh, you started out doing a lot of different things. How did you end up uh, with uh, creating a gaming platform? You know, I, I grew up playing a lot of games. When I was nine years old, and like a lot of you out there, you remember in the mid-80s, I got a Nintendo Entertainment System. You know, Super Mario Brothers, Zelda, Duck yeah. Hunt, the classics. And, and that changed, I think, the entire generation because video games became a common form of media, a common form of entertainment, but also a common form of storytelling. And so then as time grew on, I, I developed some kind of board games as I was a kid. As I got a little older, um, certainly played games. And then I started my first gaming company, which you mentioned, Lightside, where we realized, look, there had been some high-quality Christian films like The Passion of the Christ. You guys remember that from 2004. Yeah. That really made a big difference to me personally and really inspired me that if you can take Christian entertainment and and stick to God's truth, but also produce a compelling, engaging, beautiful, high-quality product, you can actually do amazing, you know, do amazing things and, and really serve people because, because, you know, historically as Christians, we've had a choice between great content or biblical content, but they've, you know, quality and, and biblical authenticity have often been at odds with each other. Now, lately, there's been changes. You know, you've seen people seen The Chosen, the Jesus Revolution movie, some of the music coming out from people like, you know, Hillsong and Jesus Culture and some other folks out there. So there has been the, the bar raise of quality. We thought, hey, video games, though, is where kids are, right? Kids are on screens 52 and a half hours a week. Let's go build true play because most of the time of those 52 and a half hours of screen time is video games. So let's go make a beautiful, excellent, awesome platform with a bunch of video games that they're going to love. And that's what true play was all about. You write in your mission statement that your mission is to transform generations of children in such a profound way that it will shape culture. Now, that might be difficult for our listeners to grasp if they haven't actually seen what you're producing. But you have a very serious purpose in developing the kind of entertainment media that you do that will impact generations. Absolutely. So, so the real reason we do this is because this sad number, only 31 percent of children in America believe in God now compared to 60% of adults believe in God. So think about that, right? We've cut in half the number, of the, our most precious you know, resource, our children, our most precious people, the most defenseless, our children. Yet anxiety, suicide, depression rates, all-time highs for kids. Yet the average male is exposed to pornography when he's 11 years old in this country, mm. right? Why? Because kids are on screens 52 and a half hours a week, and the content they're consuming is either neutral or negative to their well-being, to their mental health, to their future, to their souls. Toxic social media content, toxic game, not toxic games. Not every game is toxic. There's, you know, there's a lot of games that are just fun. Legend of Zelda, great, go have fun. Right, Candy Crush, Royal Match, go have fun, great. But there is a lot of toxic content out there, hyper-violent, hyper-sexual. You know, people don't want sexual content for their six-year-old, their nine-year-old. People don't want that. It doesn't even, whether they're Christians or not, right? D demonic, dark content, right? They don't want that. And so... We thought, look, let's go transform a generation because we're losing children who don't know who Jesus Christ is, who don't know that the Bible's true, who don't know that God loves them, that God made them for a special purpose. You know, let's talk about identity. Let's serve families because we know that families out there are struggling to find what can I give my kid 
that espouses my values, the values that I hold dear, that I fight for, we want to come alongside families and say, hey, here's something your kid's going to love that's going to espouse your, your biblical values. Oh, and by the way, as a parent, you're probably going to enjoy playing it too. You know, one of the things I, there are many things, but one of the things I especially appreciate is in your values, you are committed to excellence. There seems to be kind of a, historically, a two-tier system where you've got, you know, the secular stuff that's really slick, and then you've got the the faith-based stuff that doesn't quite measure up, and there's a clear delineation between the two. You have stated a commitment to excellence, uh, to fun, to beauty, to stewardship, to God's truth, all in a format that can compete with what... Um, this generation is producing to occupy and divert the attention of young people. If you think about, Georgian, the historical context of Christianity with art, well, Christians made some of the best mm-hmm. paintings. You know, look at, right, look at, look at some of the best paintings that were ever made between 300 AD and, and the late 1800s. Look at some of the best buildings. You go to Europe, right, the churches, Notre Dame, and, um, you know, what what's built in the Vatican, right, city, those, those, Churches are gorgeous, right? The sculptures, right, of Jesus, La Pieta, right? Jesus taken off the cross, being held in Mary's arms, right? That sculpture. Uh, the music, you know, some of the very, the masters in classical music, a lot of that was very Christian-inspired. And yet, the, so the last 150 years, sure, there started to become a difference between secular and sacred in terms of quality. But, you know, at True Play, we're taking that seriously. And it's not just us, you know, again, you know, you look at a lot of the music, as I, as I said, you know, Jesus Culture, mm-hmm. what Hillsong's done with music, uh, Lauren Daigle, I would throw her in there, uh, King and Co- for King and Country, you know, quality stuff, some of the movies that have come out, Jesus Revolution, um, and, and, and what The Chosen's doing. So there has been, hey, look, let's reclaim quality. We serve a God of beauty. We serve a God of excellence. And we serve that God. We want to bring that to families with True Play so, they, so their kids going to love it. The way we think about it is, we don't want to sell Robitussin to your family. Robitussin is, I know this tastes awful, but you need to drink it. It'll help your cough. No, we want to give the mom and the dad out there, hey, we got chocolate cake stuffed with vitamins and protein and calcium. So your kid's going to love it, and they're getting nurtured. They're getting, they're getting um, enhanced. They're getting encouraged. They're getting told, hey, God loves you. Hey, the Bible's true. Hey, you can, when you're in trouble, you can pray to God, and he's going to answer you, right? You have a purpose. Your identity is who God says you are. And that's what we're trying to help parents with and, and, and with their families with True Play. You're inviting families to play faith-filled allegorical games in what you call the rhyme verse. Describe for us a little bit of what you find at True Pay Play uh, and the variety that's uh, being offered. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny. It's the rim verse because it was rhyme rim and verse. then they lost the E. The, one, the, the E got cut off in their in their world. So here's the story with the rim verse. And the rim verse, if you, you go to the True Play website, you'll see these animals like a little girl who's a bunny rabbit that wears a tiger costume. What's that about? Well, she's a strong believer in God. She's a little bunny rabbit who's a little girl. And nobody takes her seriously because, you know, who takes little bunny rabbit girl seriously? But she wears a tiger costume because tigers are respected in her world, right? They're fierce animals. And deep down inside, she's fierce. And she believes in God. And now she doesn't always pronounce her words correctly. She doesn't always care about other people's opinions. Um, and she goes charging into the forest because she hears there's a lost child. And she rescues him. And he's a boy named Oliver who's adopted. And Oliver is a fox adopted by a bear family. And Oliver's kind of a scientist. And Oliver, um, not really sure who God is, doesn't really understand why would anybody pray. Um, there's and they go on this big adventure where there's this evil queen 
who's twisted and corrupted the meaning of truth and words. And as a result, she's even confiscated the Bibles. And as a result, society has deteriorated. Now, these stories are told in games, these adventure games and comics. We have one girl whose name is Ava. Her parents are divorced, and she's getting bullied at school. And in her game, it's an action game, and she's saying no to the bad guys. She's blowing up their strongholds. But in her game, she's learning your identity is not who people say you are. Your identity is who God made you to be. Mm. And so, so it's the Rim versus this rich narrative, you know, this beautiful handcrafted story told through games, through comics, through videos, where they're, they're ridiculous-looking characters, right? They're, they're, one of them is a skunk in a crocodile robot suit that he built. He's our most Lucas. And he, his brother died a year ago, and he's, he's on the autism spectrum. And he goes on this big space adventure to rest, find out what happened to his brother. So the point is, but the kids pray, and they learn who God is, and the Bible is referred to. And so that's how it's woven in. Now, we have other games in True Play. True Play is one platform with a bunch of games, a bunch of comics, a bunch of video content. We have a game called Stained Glass. Well, I'll tell you we what, collect- I'm, I'm going to take yeah. a break. Hold that thought. We'll continue in just a moment. Uh, again, we're talking this afternoon with uh, Brent Dusing. He is the founder and CEO of True Play, a Christian entertainment company creating transformative, digitized content for children and much more. We'll let you know what more when we return in just a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation with the founder and CEO of True Play, a Christian entertainment company creating transformative digitized content for children, Brent Dusing. Now, just before the break, you were talking about one of the uh, uh, platforms, uh, Stained Glass. It's kind of a puzzle. Tell us about that. Yeah, so stained glass is another one of our games inside True Play, and it's a game where you collect stained glass pieces, kind of like if you've ever played Candy Crush or Royal Match, that kind of style. But this time, the glass pieces you collect form a stained glass window. And the stained glass window comes to life, and a character from the Bible comes and tells you their story um, as the window comes to life. So Eve talks to you about what it was like to live in the Garden of Eden, and Noah talks about what it was like to build the ark. And so the story, the biblical story is told as you complete these stained glass windows. Um, another game that's coming out next year is a game called King David's Battles, where you play King David, and you, um, you, know, you go through the adventures that he went through in the Bible, and it's very exciting. And uh, it's also a story about how a boy becomes a man. You know, again, I know a lot of parents these days feel like, wow, there's really an assault mm-hmm. on young boys. How do, how do we raise boys in a positive way to know how to be a, a man, to be responsible? Um, well, this game is about David's journey through that. And, and so, so again, we're very excited about the King David Battles game coming out shortly. Oh, that is so cool. Now, you also have an interactive digital comic, or comics, plural, uh, where you can dive deeper into the Rimverse and journey with the characters through interactive, read-aloud digital comic books. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right, Georgian. We, we actually partner with some, some great organizations. We partner with the Action Bible. If you've ever used the Action Bible, it's an awesome uh, product. They've sold over 3 million copies, and they, um, uh, we have their, their comics digitized. A lot of them are about Jesus inside the platform. We have another group called Kingstone Comics we work with. that um, Their set of comics is about um, how the Bible was made, so how the Bible was written and how we got it, and, and all the history kind of of the Bible. And so the, the comics are interactive. You know, they're, there's music, they're, they're a little bit of kind of uh, slight motion, and uh, kind of an interactive way for kids to read because you find the number one set of people who are readers on digital devices are, you guessed it, kids. Mm-hmm. 
uh, this is such an uh, exciting tool that parents can use to help affirm what they're already saying to their sons and daughters without fear of contradiction or somehow uh, them being led astray, which is so often uh, the the course that kids are set on with some of the more the less innocuous games that are are out there. What's the age range for uh, this uh, series, this set of uh, entertainment platforms? Yeah, it's interesting, Georgia. And we find we really target kids five through twelve. But here's what's funny: we have a lot of kids who are kind of thirty and older who play too. If you know <laughs> what I mean, we have a lot of we have a lot of parents play, and and it's funny because. Stained glass is a game we we made a few years ago. Now we we revamped it and revitalized it, but it had been played mostly by adults. And when we were making games like Maple and Ava, we would test with kids because we did a lot of testing. And then the parents would say, "Hey, can I can I try that too? That looks fun." So we know also from listening to our customers, to our subscribers, it's something they can do with their kids that they really enjoy. Um, that they can do together with their kids. You can compete on high scores. You get your own account. Uh, you know, and so you, you know, you can kind of something you guys can do together. And the way the stories are written are ways that I think are endearing ways that, that parents can enjoy the story, too. Mm. Now, I've only ever played one video game. There was a kid in the church that I was attending. It was a church plant. He was into video games and I challenged him <laughs> to a video game match. And I went over to his house and we played some strange game. And just so I could earn the right to speak to his heart. <laughs> <laughs> so there I was, this middle-aged woman, you know, with the, the thing in my hand. Um, it, with the holidays coming up and parents are looking for ways to encourage their kids, to inspire them, to reinforce what they're being taught at home, how do you um, take advantage of this resource? Is it something you buy? Is it a subscription? How do you go about it? Yeah, TruePlay is a subscription. You go to TruePlayGames.com and buy a subscription. Um, you know, TruePlay is a living, breathing service. So we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of content, game, all kinds of games, comics, videos, and then we're adding new stuff all the time. We just released last week a set of prayer videos with Maple and Oliver and Benjamin who are kind of uh, doing some kind of basic prayers for kids. Uh, next week, we release a game called Benjamin and the Armor of Logos, which if you've read Ephesians 6, the Armor of God, we have a character named Benjamin who's kind of a, our warrior character. He's a hockey player, and uh, he learns about kind of the Armor of God. Now, he's in a combat game, so he prays, but he's learning about how the Armor of God works. And so there's just new stuff all the time. True Play is a living, breathing service. It's a subscription, just like you subscribe to uh, you know, Netflix or you know, a lot of people aren't subscribing to Disney Plus anymore. But I'll tell you this. We just learned last week, and you'll hear it here first, we are more than doubling the amount of time a child is spending in God's Word on a weekly basis. So if mm. you take your kid to church, if you're a Christian family, you take kids to church once a week, we've, we've now proven with data we have that we're more than doubling the amount of time your kid is exposed to God's Word when you subscribe to True Place. So for the cost of taking a friend to Starbucks once a month, for less than that cost, you can double the amount of time your child spends in God's Word. And if you buy, all we sell is family plans. So we sell a family plan, you get all your kids on it and play it yourself for one price. And so we're just, we, our goal is to provide as much value to our consumers to deliver God's Word right in their fingertips. And again, something your kids are going to want to eat that chocolate cake, and you're going to be glad about all the nutritious vitamin stuff in it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing you just touched on, I wanted to invite you to comment on a bit deeper, the Action Bible. Um, this is, is fascinating because it is the, uh, the Bible in pictures. Can you explain that and describe it to our listeners? 
Yeah, the, the Action Bible is a product made by David C. Cook a few years back. It's about, it's almost two inches thick. They, they basically illustrated, hand illustrated, um, some of the most, well, almost all the major stories in the Bible. I mean, they even have the story of Jeremiah when he's in the stocks, right? So they have, they have almost all the major stories there. And it's just exciting because the, it makes the Bible, for, especially for kids, feel like a comic book. So we took some of their, we're, we're adding new, more comics all the time but we took their comics and put them on the platform. And again, there's voice acting, there's narration, there's music. Um, it's really well done. Now, at the uh, in your introduction, I mentioned that um, there have been 7 million game players worldwide um, that are connected with uh, this resource and 25,000 Decisions for Christ. How do you quantify that? And how do you know um, how those who are subscribers are responding to exposure to God's Word in a uh, on a regular basis, not just Sunday school, not just Wednesday night, but on a regular basis as they're sure. exposed to these characters. So a few things. Um, the, the the seven million people we had play that was our previous company, a light side that we built a few years back, with mm-hmm. Journey of Moses, Journey of Jesus, and Stained Glass. And we're redoing those games and revamping them and putting them in the platform. So Stained Glass is already there. Journey of Jesus will be in next year, and so forth. And so we had twenty five thousand people of those seven million in the past come to Christ because. We partner with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. We're, we're huge fans of theirs. They're our, our partners, and they've, they've been so kind as to endorse us. They do great work. And so we had some connections from our games into their platforms, and those were numbers that they reported back to us. And you asked, well, how does a parent know if their child's being exposed to God's Word? So our commitment to, to parents and to children, too, really, is every piece of content they're going to use is based on God's truth, whether we're doing you know, biblical games Biblical comics, the Rimverse, where um, you know, get his kids on these on these crazy grand adventures. But they're they're praying, God speaks to them. The Bible's quoted, the Bible's referred to, um, and we even have games like like Little Light and Lumi's Words of Light, where you're you're achieving goals in the games, and then the scripture is kind of revealed as part of the gameplay. So everything we do, you know, we're not just delivering safe and family friendly, although we we do deliver that, but we're delivering God's truth. Oh. So that you know, as a parent, it's an investment. Just like you would, you might buy a, a program to help your kid learn how to do math, learn how to spell, learn a foreign language. You know, Duolingo is doing great. Hey, learn a foreign language. Good for them. But the most important thing, right, is your child's relationship with God and their eternal destiny. And so our commitment is we're going to deliver on that for you with every piece of content your kid uses. Well, let, before we end our conversation, how can they connect with you to look into a subscription and to take advantage of this great resource for families? Yeah, if they just go to trueplaygames.com, T-R-U-P-L-A-Y games.com, and uh, you can sign up right there, buy a subscription. You can also go to the Google Play Store or the apps, uh, the uh, Apple App Store. Again, Trueplay, T-R-U-P-L-A-Y. Check it out. We've been endorsed by tremendous people uh, Promise Keepers, the Billy Graham Association, Dean Kane, Kevin Sorbo, Candace Cameron, uh, a lot of other well-known pastors. Oh, uh, Mike Huckabee. We've had a lot of great people uh, take a look and, and get excited about it, and a lot of families who are, um, I think, seeing their kids uh, hopefully get their faith strengthened. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we hope it's a blessing to everybody. Well, Brent, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, you and your team, and thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, George Ann. It's a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Again, Brent Dusing is the founder and CEO of True Play, the Christian entertainment company creating transformative digitized content for kids and, well, for big kids.
Hey, Seattle, we're done. Hope you'll join us here tomorrow. Portland, hang around. We've got a couple of segments to go. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Portland-only edition of the Georgine Rice Show, continuing to wind our way through some of the day's headlines. Well, petitioning the NC2A about women's sports, an issue of transgender men competing against girls and women in sports has become increasingly untenable. Republican governors are taking action at the state level in a letter to the NC2A. They signed uh, nine Republican governors signed it. They petitioned the collegiate sports governing body to revise its misguided policies and ban males from competing in women's sports. As the letter reads, policies that allow men and women to compete against one another validate an average male athlete stealing the recognition from a truly remarkable female athlete. Science proves that it is fundamentally unfair for a biological male to compete against a biological female, hence the two separate sports. That does not change when someone declares themselves as being of a different gender. This is common sense, and it's sad that it needs to be stated so forcefully. Well, the letter was signed by a group of red state governors, Christy Nome of South Dakota, Sarah Sanders of Arkansas, Tate Reeves of Mississippi, Mike Parson of Missouri, Greg uh, Gian Ford of Montana, Joe Lombardo of Nevada, Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, Greg Abbott of Texas, and Mark Gordon of Wyoming. It's interesting and encouraging that Nome now sees the wisdom of this ban, having earlier been reluctant to support it. And Sam Bankman-Fried has been found guilty on Thursday at a Manhattan federal court. Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty on all counts of fraud and money laundering related to his now-collapsed cryptocurrency exchange company, FTX. The prosecution argued that Bankman-Fried misappropriated and embezzled FTX customer deposits and used billions of dollars in stolen funds for a variety of purposes, including to help fund over $100 million in campaign contributions to Democrats and Republicans to seek to influence cryptocurrency regulation, end quote. Well, that masks the truth just a bit, SBF was a mega donor to Democrats, giving them roughly $39 million during the 22 election cycle. In total, Bankman-Fried defrauded his clients of roughly $10 billion. His sentencing is scheduled for March, and he faces up to 115 years in prison pending appeal. The American Orthonological Society evidently believes in word crimes, or more specifically, name crimes, Naming birds after people is now being deemed by the society of as offensive or exclusionary, and some species will therefore be renamed. Now, as a black girl, it's hard for me to just keep up with all of this, what I need to be offended by, because the list is ever-expanding, never-ending. Offensive bird names include Anna's Hummingbirds, Lewis's Woodpecker, and Bullock's Oriole. I can hardly say the words because they're so offensive to this black girl. Well, as the society's president, Colleen Handel, argued, names have power and power can be for the good or it can be for the bad. So how are names like Anna, Lewis and Bullock bad? I've got family members by that name, each one of them black as I am. Race. You see, those names sound too much like white names. As Handel ridiculously explained, we've come to understand that there are certain names that have offensive or derogatory connotations that cause pain to people, and that it is important to change those to remove those as barriers to their participation in the world of birds. Okay. Just because the vast majority of bird watchers in American history have been white, and just because the majority of the population was and is white, and therefore named the birds they saw using culturally familiar names, does not mean 
They were seeking to exclude and denigrate other cultures. Only a bird brain embracing the inherently racist critical race theory could come up with and assign such ridiculous and negative motivations to others. I want to apologize to my Aunt Anna, to my Uncle Lewis, and to Bullock. Apparently, their names are unacceptable. Well, Russia pulled out of the nuke treaty on Thursday. The Russian strongman Vladimir Putin pulled out of the comprehensive nuclear test ban uh, uh, treaty, a bilateral treaty uh, between the U.S. and Russia adopted back in 96. Well, the treaty banned either country from engaging in nuclear weapons test explosions. Putin move um, his move rather uh, comes as no surprise, given that he's been threatening to do so. Uh, over his objection to U.S. and NATO support of Ukraine. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken responded by weekly warning, Russia's action will only serve to set back confidence in the international arms control regime, end quote. Well, Putin didn't indicate whether Russia would actually resume nuclear testing. The last time Russia tested a nuke was back in 1990, prior to the Soviet Union's collapse. The U.S. last tested a nuclear weapon in 1992, United Nations Institute for Disarmament Research senior researcher um, Andrew Bakalitsky, he worried that Putin's um, pullout was the latest move down a slippery slope toward restarting nuclear testing. We don't know what steps will follow and when, but we do know where this road ends, he said, and we don't want it to go there. Well, we'll see whether or not it goes there. Well, Donald Trump took to the witness stand yesterday in the New York trial in which he and his sons are accused of inflating the value of his assets to gain favorable loans and insurance deals. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Can I say Murgatroyd? Is that too white? Is that is, it, is that OK, Dave, to say that again? I I find it very difficult to keep up with how I'm to be offended because essentially I'm supposed to be offended at everything. Anyway, the judge, a cartoon character named Arthur Ngoran, he ruled even before the trial began five weeks ago that Trump was liable for fraud. As the New York Times reports, he learned three things. First, that Trump is uh, tre- uh, treading carefully about his financial valuation. Second, that a witness box can't contain Trump despite the left's efforts to gag him. And third, that corrupt New York Attorney General Letitia James, who campaigned on trying to entrap Trump by whatever means possible, is Trump's chief target. Well, elsewhere among the Trump-averse editorial board members of the Wall Street Journal, the complaint uh, seemed to focus more on what we might call reverse election interference by which Trump is running away from the Republican primary field. As the journal's editor opined, the four-course meal to follow in the criminal process after Mr. Trump's state indictment in New York Two charge sheets from the feds and then another in Georgia. Yet despite it all, or more accurately because of it all, Mr. Trump is dominating the Republican primary polling. Indeed, Trump is dominating the polling. But to hear them tell it, it's only because the Democrats have made a martyr out of him. It says um, as if these um, McConnell Republicans have forgotten or perhaps simply can't come to grips with the fact that Trump got 13 million more votes than any Republican candidate in history, and he got them before a single one of these politically motivated indictments had come down. I tell you, it's exhausting. Okay, who to be offended by, who to hate. Just, whew. Well, it seems as if the uh, Democrats and their mainstream media brethren are kicking House Speaker Mike Johnson's uh, tire to see if he's a suitable villain once Donald Trump has departed from the scene, and they expect that he will. 
Uh, No sense waiting until the last minute, right? While two human beings could hardly be less similar than the Mike and the Donald, that doesn't seem to, uh, um, well, to satisfy their curiosity. They find both of them deplorable because, well, they're not in their ranks. But as Matt Walsh writes in the Daily Wire, the MSM, the mainstream media, is likely setting itself up for failure. When Republicans selected their new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, Uh, They were critical of the pick because of some of the stances Johnson had taken in the past. Primarily, uh, there was concern with his past support for the BLM narrative, the Black Lives Matter narrative, and his expressions of outrage over the use of his word murder of George Floyd. But since then, despite these serious qualms, the media have uh, been uh, doing everything in their power to make um, uh, Speaker Johnson, well, a MAGA Republican. They're not doing this uh, on purpose, of course. They're trying to make him look bad. But uh, as we know, nothing makes a person look better than when the media tries to make him look bad. Yesterday, they complained that Johnson wasn't wealthy enough. You know, he's like an average American. Today, they're um, reporting that Johnson and his 17-year-old son monitor each other's um, uh, intake on the Internet to avoid uh, pornographic um, uh, viewing. It's a vile smear. The truth, as Walsh notes, is that Mike Johnson monitors his child's Internet uses to make sure that his child is not accessing harmful and objectionable material. And that is offensive to the mainstream media and that uh, uh, the app that he uses allows his son to do the same thing so that he can hold his father accountable. Well, it sounds like smart and healthy child rearing along with media Christophobia. But um, that's where we are today in 21st century America. And I guess we're supposed to be offended by that, too. I'm going to take a break because, as I said, I'm exhausted. And when we come back, we'll wrap things up. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, American troops are in the crosshairs. Our troops are certainly lucky to have uh, Joe Biden as their commander in chief. Otherwise, our forces abroad might lack deterrence and might therefore come under repeated attack from rogue regimes who once feared us. But now, well, let's just say they don't. Uh, Oh, wait, the National Review reports at least 45 Americans claim to have been injured in recent attacks in Iraq and Syria, more than twice as many as the Pentagon previously disclosed, according to a new report. NBC News reports that at least 38 separate attacks on our bases in Syria and Iraq since the 17th of October were mainly conducted by drones, mortars and rockets. But that injury number, 45, seems a bit higher than earlier reports. And as it turns out, it is higher. National Review continues. The Pentagon initially claimed that 21 service members, Iranian uh, members rather, suffered traumatic brain injuries as a result of two drone attacks by the Iranian-backed Houthi militia. But an additional 24 troops have since reported such injuries, NBC reported on Monday, bringing the total number of injured troops to 45. That number may rise as more troops come forward. Last we checked, traumatic brain injuries were serious matters. If the president can't protect the troops, we might perhaps consider electing a commander in chief who can. And by the way, a year from now, that will be on the ballot. Well, the Washington Post has elevated Hamas. It isn't much of a logical leap to assume that if the Gaza Strip is run by Hamas, that the Gaza Ministry of Health might also be run by Hamas. Remember, these are the same trustworthy folks who told Rashida Tlaib that the rest of us uh, and the rest of us, that Israel just bombed the Baptist hospital, killing 500 Palestinian doctors, children and patients 
just like that. Well, almost immediately, we learned that it wasn't an airstrike. It didn't hit a hospital. It didn't kill hundreds, and Israel didn't do it. But other than that, the reporting from the Gaza Health Ministry and Tlaib and the mainstream media was accurate. And yet, as if the lessons weren't obvious enough, here we have the Washington Post repeatedly taking the word of the uh, GMH that the uh, death toll there uh, there has uh, passed 10,000. When we're reporting on issues such as the death toll in the Israel-Gaza war, we use information provided from the Gaza Ministry of Health, an agency of the Hamas-controlled government, the Israeli government, the United Nations, the World Health Organization, the U.S. State Department, and other international agencies. The Post's disclaimer reads, in part, well, NPR is, seem- is similarly gullible. Alas, some folks never learn. We've uh, no idea what the death toll is in Gaza and what it might be. But we know this. Any other source is likely to be far more accurate than the Hamas health ministry. Well, Germany is renaming the Anne Frank Kindergarten. One of the most famous victims of the Nazi Holocaust against the Jews was 15-year-old Anne Frank. Thanks to her diaries, the world was given a record of her family's harrowing experience hiding from the Nazis in Amsterdam, Netherlands, until they were arrested by the Gestapo in the summer of 1944 and sent to concentration camps where she and her sister would die months later. Fast forward to 2023 and a German kindergarten that has been named in her honor has now dropped her name over woke concerns of wanting to be more diverse. As the kindergarten's director, Linda uh, Schickor, explained, we wanted a name without a political background. Political how? Not wanting to upset neo-Nazis? Well, she uh, further justified the decision by noting that immigrant families had often never heard of her. Well, the point is to tell them about her. All the more reason to keep the name, not recognizing history because some folks didn't know it was uh, pretty much the uh, antithesis of school. Indeed, there may be No better time than now to highlight Anne Frank as anti-Semitism is rising across Europe, thanks in large part to mass migration from other parts of the world. Well, David Axelrod is suggesting that Biden should exit the presidential race. With the latest poll numbers showing Joe Biden effectively in a free fall and Donald Trump overtaking him in both national polling and, more significantly, in five battleground states, former Obama advisor David Axelrod, who, by the way, was never a major fan, called on Biden to exit the race. In a post on X, Axelrod wrote, only at Joe Biden can make this decision. If he continues to run, he will be the nominee of the Democratic Party. What he needs to decide is whether that is wise, whether it is in his best interest or the country's. Axelrod included in his post a link to the New York Times polling showing Trump with that battleground lead. And while admitting that it's very late to change horses, Axelrod added a lot will happen in the next year that no one can predict. And Biden's team says his resolve to run is firm, end quote. Well, contending that Biden's biggest liability is his old age, Axelrod called for the president to just be proud of his accomplishments and warning that Trump is a dangerous, unhinged demagogue. He asserted that the stakes of miscalculation here are too dramatic to ignore. The pressure is mounting on the president. Well, the state of Virginia agreed to a settlement in a lawsuit that had been raised by Christian wedding photographer Bob um, Undergrove. Over the uh, state's passage back in two, uh, 2020 of a law requiring businesses to effectively celebrate same-sex marriage passed in the Commonwealth when Democrats controlled the state house and the governor's mansion, 
The Virginia Values Act forbids businesses from discriminating against individuals based on their sexual orientation. Undergrove, uh, represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom, successfully argued that Virginia's law violated the Constitution. Free speech is for everyone, stated the ADF Council. As the Supreme Court recently affirmed in 303 Creative, the government can't force Americans to say things they don't believe. The lawsuit pointed out that Virginia was effectively seeking to regulate Bob's views that marriage should be between a man and a woman out of existence. Good news for this Christian photographer in Virginia. Well, let's see. There's so much we don't have time to cover. We'll just go to this day in history. How about that? 1862 during the Civil War. President Abraham Lincoln replaces Major General George B. McClellan as commander of the Army of the Potomac. Major General Ambrose Burnside. Names that may be familiar. There are streets named after them. 1874, the Republican Party is symbolized as an elephant in a cartoon drawn by Thomas Nast in Harper's Weekly. 1916, Republican Jeanette Rankin of Montana becomes the first woman elected to Congress, winning a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. 1917, Russia's Bolshevik Revolution takes place as forces led by Vladimir uh, Ilyich Lenin overthrew the provisional government of Alexander Kerensky. I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly. My Russian teacher would be appalled. 1940, Washington State's original Tacoma Narrows Bridge, nicknamed Galloping Gertie, collapses into Puget Sound during a windstorm just four months after opening to traffic. 1944, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt wins an unprecedented fourth term in office, defeating Republican Thomas E. Dewey. 1962, Richard M. Nixon... Having lost California's gubernatorial race, holds what he calls his last press conference, telling reporters he won't have Nixon to kick around anymore. Well, that wasn't true. 1967, Carl Stokes is elected the first black mayor of a major city, Cleveland. And in 1972, President Richard M. Nixon, President Nixon, is reelected in a landslide over Democrat George McGovern. And yes, they would have him to kick around again in the years ahead. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I do want to thank James Blinn for producing, Dave King for engineering, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.